The Youthscape Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Youthscape Podcast. I'm Martin Saunders. And I'm Rachel Gardner. And uh, we do this podcast once a week so that you wonderful youth workers, professionals, teachers, social workers, volunteers can kind of wrap your goals around some brilliant wisdom that doesn't come from us listeners. There may be Martin? some from us. There may be a little. Oh, a tiny bit comes from us, but mainly it comes from a guest who we have brought cheeky Nando's for and then persuaded yeah. to record. To you come back no, to ours for a podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's Right, that's what you're saying. So I was going to um, start by asking you a question, Martin. So I'm gonna, now I'm going to do that. Okay. I want to ask you. Tell me what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. I externally process. I was going to ask you: Are there any things like that you do that in your world seem really normal, but other people are like, like, why, why do you do it that way? Or have you like come across things where you're like, well, of course I do like like that because that's that's yeah. how everyone does it. Yeah. Brushing, do you... The way I brush my teeth. Brush your teeth. Drives my wife mad Ooh. and I don't see why everyone doesn't do it so like first this. of all is it an electric toothbrush no. or is it no, a no. don't a tell my dentist I always tell my dentist I've got one do you yeah doesn't everyone do that though they go you need to buy an electric toothbrush oh sure. thank you for that dentist sure I yeah, will yeah. do that so, so I brush my teeth yeah and at the end you've got the uh, the bit where you need to wash the brush right yeah and so I wash the brush and then I suck the brush I suck oh. the water off the brush oh, so, so that it's nice. dry does it make an, is it a really annoying noise though? No. Is that why Joe's like, no, it's not annoying noise. It. It's just 20 years of marriage. Oh, <laughs> I chew my toothbrush. Do you? And I would quite happily sit like in the kitchen chatting to my friends chewing my Chewing toothbrush. your toothbrush? I love it. I also love cleaning my ears with cotton buds. No, I like that. And they're going to be like outlawed soon, aren't are they? Are they? They are, because they're not very good. They're banning cotton buds. Because basically we just do it because we like the feeling of it. Anyway, right, that's very helpful. So my, my example of this was yesterday. So we live in a kind of a, and it's sort of city centre and we have a tiny backyard and a little bit of a hedge and my husband decided to cut the hedge and the leaves went down behind the hedge onto basically there's a travel lodge at the back of our house there are other hotels available and where we live but it fell like onto the travel lodge ground so me and my daughter my husband trundled round to say, can you let us into the back of your travel lodge so we can pick up these leaves? Honestly, you'd have thought that we were asking for free rooms for a year. Right, they, like, they were let you so in. suspicious. Like, yeah. what you it does sound like a dodgy story. <laughs> can we come around the back <laughs> of your hotel and drop some we leaves? Just drop some leaves. Just some very small leaves. <laughs> you thought it was normal. But yeah, I was like, if you drop leaves, you pick them up. I don't know. So that in my world was like, why is this such a big deal? But can I, can I, because I've been waiting for a moment to bring this up. <laughs> we go away as a Youthscape staff team on retreat. We do. Several times a year. We may have talked about this before. Yeah, And happening. you, the other day, you, they were making bacon sandwiches. Yes. And the way you made a bacon sandwich was quite extraordinary to me. So it was two slices of, I don't even know if you used butter. Did you use butter? Two Um, slices of white bread. Yeah. Child-friendly white bread. Yeah. And then squish them together. And then you cut the, you cut the crust, all the crusts off. I cut all the crusts off. And then squished it into a little, like a bit of bacon ravioli. Didn't you? And then, it's so nice like yeah, that. It's, it's like a so child. Ni- uh, yeah, it's because I probably because I do it for my child. Is that what on it is? On a regular basis. And you now like it as well. Also, sorry, I'm on a roll. Yeah, now. Okay, we're on a roll. Also, today you're wearing a belt, <laughs> but not like normal people wear a belt, right? You're wearing a belt, right? And I'm going to have to describe this, like a, up your arms and across your shoulders. <laughs> Can I just 
explain. Why? Why? It's basically something that's connected to a coat, listeners. I'm not actually wearing a belt up across my shoulders. It's part of my outfit. But I have laughed about the fact that today and yesterday, I've not taken my coat off all day. Do you ever do that? Like, we're just so like busy. You just don't take your coat off. Come your thing now. It is my thing. I wear coats just like that actress in the Netflix Safe. Have you watched that? No. Yes, she does that. Anyway, we have a wonderful (laughs) guest because, listeners, you're like, okay, time's ticking. We actually want the wisdom to start arriving. The wisdom is here and he is sat between us and his name is Patrick Regan! You are so welcome. Thank you, thank you. I can't believe it takes over a year to persuade you to come and do a podcast. <laughs> no. I know, we've not really dragged you out this way. No, before, no, have we? no, no. So you've had to come out of London to Luton, but it's a sunny day, it's beautiful. It is beautiful it? out there, it's lovely, yeah. Mm. And the cheeky Nando's was very good, so I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. And I too do love cotton buds. I don't understand how we're all going to cope after the whole no, cotton bud. They're quite soothing, aren't they? <laughs> like the bacon sandwich with no crust. It takes you back to a simpler time. It does take you back to a simpler time. But I was asking Martin about like things that we feel are norm in culture, but we need to break that. Because if I think about all the years I've known you, Patrick, sort of running XLP, and now we're going to be talking about the really exciting work that you're doing and with your wife Diane and some others. But actually a lot of your work has been around breaking the norm, hasn't it? Right, where the norm is wrong, that like you can't just cut the crust off your bread. <laughs> or where the norm is wrong, like actually people see young people as X, Y and Z because of where they come from. Yeah. We've got to break that, haven't we? So do you want to tell us a little bit about just XLP and then we're going to move on to what you're doing Yeah, now. yeah, no, sure. Um, I started XLP 22 years ago. I was a youth worker in the church and there was a stabbing in the school down the road. And so the school phoned the church up and said, can you help us get the moral fibre of our school up? And the, um, really? Yeah. Wow. The vicar didn't really fancy it. So <laughs> off you go, youth worker. And I arrived in the school so different to the culture that I was brought up in. But I, I guess really wanted to say, as a local church, we believe in serving our local community. What can we do to serve? What can we do mm. to help? And this one school had 65 mother tongue languages. Wow. So it wasn't that the kids are thick or stupid. I remember telling a kid off once, um, for talking in the class and he said to me I'm very sorry sir I'm just translating for my friend who hasn't got a clue yeah. what you've wow. just said oh, actually felt quite bad after that yeah. Yeah. And uh, but we went in there you know I met kids who wore bulletproof vests to school mm. um, a 14 year old girl who said to me her biggest aim in life is to be a single mum because she wants a baby to love the baby to love her and she doesn't want no bloke getting in the way yeah. And so I found 17 people to give me £25 a month and I started XLP. XL yeah. stood for wanting kids to excel in everything they do and P stood for project. And then I guess it's just grown across London now. Um, sort of working with 1,600 kids a week mm. in small groups and one-to-one doing all crazy loads Amazing. of intervention mm. stuff. So it's, it's good, yeah. And you're no longer... Patrick Regan, OBE, CEO of XLP. No, I'm not. No. Well, you used to have quite a lot of those, but not the CEO of XLP. You're still Patrick Regan. I am. Yeah. You still, they didn't take the OBE away. <laughs> no. no. So, so that's, um, so just, I mean, we could probably spend an entire podcast talking about what you've achieved at XLP yeah. and what XLP has Huge done. Huge achievement. And we've yeah. also had Naomi on yes. and others uh, 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 from XLP. So so actually we're not going to talk about XLP today. We're going to talk about your new project. Yeah. yeah. And, and I wonder whether as a sort of way of getting us there, you could talk about a bit of your own journey yeah. of having to face up to some pretty dark stuff in your own life. Yeah, I mean, I guess it all came from, uh, it must have been about eight years ago now, I went through one of those stages in life where everything went wrong at once, you know, it's like a perfect storm of things going wrong, yeah. and, and uh, um, um, Kezia, my little girl, got a condition called HSP, which is a horrible condition, mm-hmm. it spots over your legs, it lasts for six weeks, gives you temporary arthritis, and 
and she's had it three times and then the same time my dad got cancer he was meant to be in hospital for a week he ended up being in hospital for nine weeks four operations I got diagnosed with a degenerative knee condition which means I need to get both my legs broken in uh, two or three places external frame put around it pins drilled into my bones and pink wires going in and out and and then actually my wife was sent ho home with a list of numbers and she had to sort of stretch me out wow. every single day and 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 loads of other stuff as well but i guess what really happened was i really started struggling with anxiety and i think if i'm really honest i think i've always struggled with anxiety but i think all this stuff going on was like rocket fuel you know mm. it's like trauma suddenly mm. makes everything worse doesn't it and and so trying to navigate through that was really tough and before I went into hospital, I wrote this blog called When Faith Gets Shaken, which was incredibly honest and real. And and I, the response I had was just unbelievable. People just were like, I've never read anything by a Christian before that's so honest. And I think honesty breeds more honesty. And I think the vulnerability in it really connected mm. with people. People of faith and no faith, actually. Yeah. And, and from that, just meeting the most incredible people and the most inspirational people over the last seven, eight years. Um, me and my wife uh, came to a point about a year ago XLP was 21, and uh, I felt God say, it's time to let it go. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Founders don't let go. We, we stay until we're very old. And, and I just felt he's letting go in order to grab hold of something else. And that's been a, a challenge for me. But um, we've started this new charity called Kintsuji Hope. And the word Kintsuji is a Japanese word that means golden joinery. And, it, and the whole illustration is if you break a bowl, we made it with super glue, and we try and hide the cracks and pretend it's okay. And uh, in what they do in Japan, they put a gold powder in the glue, so instead of hiding the cracks, they make a feature of the cracks. Arguably, the object becomes more beautiful than it was before. It certainly becomes more unique. And mm. I think the whole thing was actually, um, our scars are not to there be hidden. Um, our scars show there's been some healing that's taken place. Mm. I won't show you my legs, but they have got scars all over them. Um, you put some, like, and, gold uh, tattoo <laughs> <laughs> And... Uh, and you know what, um, I think people need to know that it's okay not to be okay, and I think people need to know that, um, that actually we can celebrate some of that stuff as well, and, and God really uses us in our brokenness. And it's incredible, isn't it? Because I think for years that's been your ministry through XLP with young people. Yeah. But it feels like, I remember reading that blog post, Patrick, and yeah. I, mm -hmm. I've known of you for a long time. I remember reading it, and I don't know if I, I can't remember now if I messaged you or not, but feeling that combination of, is he okay? Because we do, we're not used to that level of honesty, so we do think, oh my goodness, what's happened to my friend? But also with an admiration and reading mm. other people's posts under mm. it, and it felt like there was a dam that burst. and. Since you sort of you and Diane have taken on running Kintsugi Hope and sort of coming out of the closet in a way, we're saying this is our story, this is my story, this might be your story too. Have you found that actually it's blown your mind just the sheer numbers of adults that are? Yeah, no, totally. No, I mean we've literally like had emails and Facebook messages and tweets and and I guess the thing that we've really been encouraged about is people feeling like um, just because they suffer from depression and anxiety doesn't mean they're not they can't contribute stuff mm. and you know I always think about anxiety as caring too much and sometimes mm. that people with anxiety are normally incredibly wonderful sensitive people mm. yet somehow in the church we've made them feel like they're not trusting God enough mm. so then instead of um, it's worth struggling with anxiety then they're struggling with guilt you know mm. the sort of the rigid thinking I should I must I ought have it all together mm. and actually they have so much to teach us about how we love Jesus and the depression thing as well you know it's something I've struggled with and I often talk about depression as um, being strong for too long there's this book called The Curse of the Strong that talks about depressive illness and it looks at 
personal characteristics of someone that's depressed and that's you know, more strength, diligent, sensitive, um, the sort of person you want as your best friend really yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, and yet you know again we've just lumped a load of guilt on them and told them they haven't got enough faith and stuff so it's been really lovely hearing people going oh that's the first talk I've come away from that I actually don't feel bad about myself wow. or I don't feel guilty wow. or I don't feel that I'm a complete loser because wow. depression destroys your self-esteem it tells you that mm. everything's your fault you know and we've had people you know again suicide it's, it's the biggest killer of young men and uh you know, and people say it's a selfish act, but actually it's that place where you start to believe the world would be better off without you. Mm. I mean, that's mm. the loneliest place on earth. Yes. Mm. And so yeah. to actually speak into those issues for us is a real privilege. And we don't speak in it as experts, we speak it in as pilgrims on a journey ourselves of trying mm. to work out how to wow. do this stuff, you know. So it's been interesting. And, and do you have a sense of how big some of these issues are and how resonant some of this stuff is with leaders and particularly, you know, we're talking here to to youth workers, youth leaders? Yeah, no, totally. I think in some ways, um, I, don't, I don't want to say we're more prone to it, but I guess we are in some ways because a lot of us are very need-motivated and I know over the years that I was sort of sold the thing that we're serving God so we need to work every hour God sends us because mm. he's paying the bill, you know. And uh, and so you get into this sort of self-sacrificial mode and and then actually your own self-care and your own self-needs, that's on the back burner mm. because we've, we're so passionate about what we do because um, it's sort of sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And, and I think we misinter- we've been misinterpreted some key verses in the Bible as well about some of this stuff. But you do see youth workers, they, they're like sponges. They take on everyone's pain. And I think mm. I did that for years because mm. I desperately wanted to fix. And I just come to a conclusion, yeah, I can't fix anyone. I'm not a mm. rescuer. I'm not the saviour. I'm not the messiah for this young person. Um, that actually only Jesus can fix them at the end mm. of the day. Mm. And that's really hard because yeah. like, when they're there in your face, you want to mm. do it. You want to sort it. And of course, we live in a culture where everything's instant, and so we want to get it done quickly as well. And I think it's the classic drip, drip, drip approach, and uh, that classic illustration, you know, you stick a frog in the boiling water, it jumps straight out, leave it there and heat it up, eventually mm. it will die. And, and the fact is, we see so many guys in those situations um, soldiering on, not asking mm. for help, yeah. um, because they love what they do. And do you think some of that... Um is uh, you sort of self-medicate by trying to fix other people. So you think, if I, if I can fix other people's problems, I don't have to think about my own, essentially, and I can sort of, it's a way of not having to deal with your own stuff, is to be a fixer for someone else. Yeah, totally, and I think that, you know, we're all, I don't know, we're all a little bit insecure, aren't we? I think youth yeah. workers, I think if we're honest, yeah. um, we're all a little bit insecure, and we do stuff out of our insecurity, and... You know, I'd just been writing again about the whole um, prodigal son thing and just thinking, I used to think I was nothing like the first son, you know, because um, I never had that sort of testimony. Yeah. And I always wish I had because yes. I worked with gangs and yeah. people with knives yeah. and I just wish my testimony was more exciting more and not like born yeah. in a Christian family and grew up and all that sort of stuff. But then, you know, you think about the sort of stuff Henry Newman says about that story. He says that, like, you become the first son every time you look for love in the wrong places. Mm. Huh. And how many times do I look for love and affirmation in the wrong places? Yeah. And uh, in order to feed my own insecurity. Mm. And, and, you know, and the challenge then, I guess, like, what he says is, you know, whether you're the first son or the second son, we easily fall into that. You know, we're working mm. so hard mm. for God that we miss out on that intimacy and relationship mm. with God. And we're trying mm. to please mm. the whole time. Mm. But of course, the goal is to be like the father, mm. whether you feel like the first son you love without an agenda. And I think that's then coming to a more secure place where you realise your worth and who you mm. are. And I guess for yeah. youth workers, I've just seen so many people who don't know their worth. Yeah. 
I was thinking the other night because I was I got myself in a bit of a panic about a young person that I've worked with for a long, long time. And I was just listening to what you're saying about do we sometimes sort of project our needs onto our young people, then try to meet them? And I was just trying to think: was that is that what I was doing in that situation? I probably was, but it didn't feel like that. What it felt like, I felt like this is my young person. This is our church's young person. And I'm the only person that's mm. saying yeah. they have X, Y, and Z as a need. And please wake up. Like, please PCC. Look at what they've... And I think in that moment, I did feel... I was, I was probably taking on slightly the martyr role. But in that moment, it felt like I have to raise the alarm bell for this young person because nobody mm. else has got it. And, and I was just reflecting there thinking, what would it take for me to step back and recognise... Actually, I was panicking. I had high anxiety. I was seeing all this person's like whole future was resting on whether I could persuade the PCC. And 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 in those moments, like what what have you learned through your own journey or listening to others? How do we and how do we in those moments have the awareness before we even then can do something about it? Because I would have snapped at you massively had you said, "No, Rachel, stop me! Stop trying to save this person." I'd be like, "No, it's not about me. It's about them." Like, yeah, what have you found? I mean, the thing is, like, you know. I, Young people, we do need to raise the alarm bells and stuff like that. But I guess the key thing is 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 the, who we surround ourselves with. It's the relationships. It's the accountability. Um, because we all try. I think perfectionism. One thing I, I gain, I've struggled with is like I I make situations worse than they are. I catastrophize everything and I mind read what other people are trying to I think. Do <laughs> I'm definitely thinking this about me. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and then we overcompensate and stuff like that. And don't be wrong, you know, we've got a situation with, particularly around youth mental health, where we do, we need people to shout and scream mm. and say, this needs to change. Mm. But we need to do it as a community. We yes. need to do it together. Trust each other. And, yes. and that's what I think, you know, someone said to me years ago when I was running XLP, we all talk about networking, we all talk about how good it is to do stuff together, then we all go into our own yes. thing and do our own thing. Yeah, that's great. And um, so, yeah, we need that relationship. That's a norm we need to break. There we go. Back to my, I'm just <laughs> desperately go. trying to get it back on point to what I think it should be because my panic and anxiety is now saying, get it back on point. But that's it though, isn't it? What are those norms? That Actually, it's normal just to try and do this on your mm. own, mm. to kind of see yourself as the only person that's advocating yeah. for young people. And it might be that in your church, you are one of the only people that actually is really yeah. seeing it, but quickly get around you others yeah. who who actually can kind of mitigate against your messiah complex if yeah. you're someone like me. Like, yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. And I think like the key thing for youth workers, what I gain, I didn't realise was that when people talk to me about self-compassion, I just don't talk to me. I hate all that inward-looking stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's just annoying. It's like navel gazing and all that sort of stuff. And then I remember someone said to me that self-compassion and self-indulgence are two completely, mm, really different things. Yeah. Where, you know, self-indulgent may be having that extra bottle of glass of wine. It may be having um, <laughs> that big bit of cake. But actually, yeah. self-compassion takes discipline. It means mm. getting out to the gym. It means being accountable to people. It means those mm. sort of things. We're actually building those into our lives. Then we build a safety net um, around us. So when we're dealing with really difficult things, we know that actually there's some disciplines in our life that are really hard to keep um, when you're under pressure. Yeah, um, you yeah know. but you, you, what you're talking about there is a more holistic view of self-care than we usually talk about in leadership yeah. circles. Yeah. So what we tend to do, and I've, I've given this seminar, you know, we talk about <laughs> how you're inputting into yourself as a leader to make sure you can give yeah. out. Yeah. You really focus on the Bible, yeah. uh, you know, more work, uh, prayer, you know, developing spiritual disciplines, Guilt. all of which are fantastic things, yeah. but they that's not the whole story, is it? Like you actually just need to look after yourself as well, and and so we don't tend to see t 
taking some taking the afternoon off and spending some time with a friend or with your family or going for a walk or going mm, to the gym we don't see yeah. those as spiritual exercises or an investment in my leadership but that's the kind of just to bring it back to your point Rachel <laughs> that's maybe the kind of mindset mm, shift we need yeah, to yeah, see yeah no totally essentially that's everyone today take the, the afternoon off <laughs> I, I totally give that to everyone the Youthscape Should podcast said power? yeah, yeah. <laughs> just take it out with your line manager give them my email address yeah that's right give them mine's email address it's uh, gavin.calver yes. at EA Gavin <laughs> <laughs> would love that he would he love totally it. back he you up on that it. but the other thing yeah you're right actually because our brain is God's given such amazing brains that our brains problem solve when, when we're not thinking about something, don't they? So actually taking yourself away from a situation, giving yourself fresh air, that those things that in your mind feel like insurmountable problems, actually when you literally shift location can really help, can't they? Yeah, and of course the thing with young people today is like um, our brains never stop, you know, <laughs> yeah. like the pressure yeah. the whole time, you know. We yeah. often used to say the bully was the guy in the playground who'd been bullied himself and so bullied others. and. And yet, because of social media, because a lot of the stuff that goes on, it's 24-7. Yeah. And so the brain is churning and churning. And the thing is, actually, all research says is that brains can't multitask. So no. you're literally flipping from one thing to the other the whole time, which then makes you exhausted yeah. the whole time which as well, trying to live up to something which you'll never be able to live yeah. up to. Yeah. And I think a lot of our young people are in that position yeah. and desperate. Can I ask you a question about, um, so a number of people listening, and myself and, and Martin as well, will do sort of a combination of youth work, which is schools-based, project-based, street work, but also might have a little group of young people who we mentor or do like Sunday morning Bible studies with. And, and just really conscious, like how, how do we broach the topic of mental health and mental illness? And I, I think in a way, I think I've got it down pat in terms of the projects in school. I know the young people, they've been referred to me. But my little kind of group on a Sunday morning who, I, I, you know, they come from all different backgrounds and mm. I want to kind of open up the possibility that they could bring whatever they're feeling to Jesus. What are some of the things, I mean, you've been a youth worker for years, Patrick, but also- Not a very good one, but- what, <laughs> what are some of the wisdom that we could glean from you just about how do we begin those conversations, particularly, I think, in a Christian setting where there possibly is a little bit more taboo and shame and guilt, they're not seeing it modelled yeah. widely, what? I mean, I guess I always try and do it by being honest myself, um, so telling my story, because mm. um, then Excellent. I think it opens up them to it, and I think that's okay, you know. I think sometimes you can overshare for connection's sake, but actually I think, you know, the whole Brene Brown stuff, courage and vulnerability are the same thing. And if you see someone being vulnerable you and telling you how they've struggled, then you don't turn around and go, they're a complete wuss. Mm -hmm. um, you think, wow, that, that takes a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like our preaching and our, the, our materials we're doing and... You know, we just got to look at this stuff. You know, I mean, um, I noticed something downstairs on anger, and I was thinking, how many times have I heard a sermon on anger? You know, anger, if you think about it, is an emotional response to pain. Mm. It tells you something is wrong. Um, there's a sense of injustice, and yet a lot of our young people, a lot of the young people I've worked with, they go naught to sixteen seconds. Mm. Um, it's a symptom. It's not a root cause. And so I think there's a whole load of stuff around this we need to talk about. But I think actually the whole storytelling, the testimony bit, yeah, you know, it's not rocket science. I think then that opens up and creates a culture. You know, if culture is the way we do things around here, then we need to create a culture where people feel they can be safe and supported and not judged. I think that's the other real key thing. And youth workers often are the brave, vulnerable people who, even in a church that doesn't model that, yeah, absolutely. they're often the ones that are doing that. Yeah. And it's quite isolating, isn't it? If they're kind of caught in the middle, but they're saying, no, I'm not going to be silent. I'm going to speak out on this stuff. Absolutely. So it, you're being so brave, guys. If that's what you're doing, it's so, so brilliant. Yeah. So Kintsugi Hope is the is the charity. Tell us, give us a little insight into you know it's new, it's it's brand new, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, tell us sort of what you are cooking up at the moment because it's all obviously coming from 
from nothing. So, yeah. so what will be emerging? Yeah, I mean, basically, we're looking at four key elements. Um, one of the things we're doing is, uh, along with CWR, which is a huge counselling organisation, is we're writing a, like a 12-week course that's going to be around emotional and mental health. And the interesting thing about this is people will come to us, we'll train people how to do it, and then they'll deliver it oh, in their communities. Mm, really so we're going to do this in schools, prisons. Um, we've got people that want to do it in Costa Coffee. We've got people that want to run it in a hospital, in chapels, all, all over the place. And I guess the whole thing is like sharing in your common humanity. It's trying mm. to say, instead of rushing into our communities and claiming Jesus is the answer, uh, which he is, but it's actually going in and saying, you know what, this is what's happened to me. I'm broken, you're broken, let's share together. Yes, let's go on a journey together. And I think what will happen is they'll probably become Kintsuji Hope groups, support groups um, for people. And uh, this whole thing about creating a safe and supportive space, I feel like if, you're, if you feel safe and you feel supported, you can do an awful lot, you know. Mm. Um, so we're going to do stuff around that. We're also developing a lot of materials, talks um, around issues that we don't often preach about. Many of them have talked about already. Mm. And then overseas, um, I'm literally about to fly off to Jamaica in a couple of weeks. Oh, and uh, to where Bob Marley grew up. Very cool. <sighs> and uh, it's probably one of the most amazing but broken places in the world. And uh, I was there in June. From January to June, 600 people were shot. And oh. I work with a school there oh. which has got about 80 kids and uh, up to 70% of them are being abused in some way oh, and yeah. the child protection laws are just not enforced mm. and so we're actually going to um, make a film and we're going to fund a mental health counsellor to be on staff at the school wow. um, full time and to deal with the kids' mental health and then I'm going to Iraq and we're looking at trauma centres there, mental health wow. of young refugee kids um, and so we're going to try and support charities that again are really under the radar, just run often by beautiful old ladies mm. um, who love Jesus and love their community and then we're going to try and take the key messages around mental health into Westminster over the last 20 years I've mm. got to know some interesting characters and through relationship I think you influence better and uh, and so I'm going to try and persuade those guys to think about some of these root causes and mm. long-term sustainable uh, programs that can really help so yeah wow. there's a small vision and then finally you uh, you have a new book yeah. out in yes. July and this year very exciting yeah. and you're not on to plug it but no. since you're here no, we're making you plug it let's make you we plug it we want you to plug it uh, so tell us uh, tell us about the book and uh, why you've written it yeah I mean Honesty Out of Silence um, I, it is it's, it's probably my if I could say this, my most personal book, even more personal mm. than When Faith Gets Shaken. And and I guess I just wanted to shine a light on the whole issues around faith and mental health. And, you know, it's tagline, it's okay not to be okay. And so the first part of the book is all around letting go of stuff. So letting go of the pretend smile, letting go of anxiety, letting go of the clock. We want everything done instantly. Yeah. Letting go of pain. Um, in order to be, so the second part of the book is about being, being authentic, being hopeful, being mindful, being self-compassionate. Um, so we let go in order to be and it finishes with this lovely story I think of um, I went to um, Amsterdam to visit the Koi Ten Boom house you know, oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Koi Ten Boom was a lady who hid Jews in the Second World War um, from the Nazis and they tell this story in the concentration camp at the end that one morning um, they're all out for roll call and I just find it amazing that mm. people are becoming Christians in concentration camps in mm. a place where mm. they're literally their hair's being yeah. beaten by maggots they're, they're starving they're dying it's like hell on earth and people mm. still come to faith it's just incredible but there's this moment um, where basically they all go out for roll call at half four in the morning it takes two hours and someone collapses and it's dark and it's miserable and then a, a skylark appears mm. and the skylark's a really interesting bird it's the only bird that sings in the darkness mm. and she mm. just says everyone's attention in the hellish place on earth mm. suddenly looked up 
and uh, she said I just realised that I wasn't alone and nothing could separate me from the love of God wow and uh, and so I guess I'm like in that place can we sing in the darkness as yes. well as we sing in the light yeah. and can we produce mature Christians that can handle that you know mm. and, and as we do I'm sure that would reflect to a very hurt and broken world mm. Mm, that's beautiful but you have just given away the ending so <laughs> spoilers <laughs> it's a good book it's great now I'm just thinking that, like both of us, Martin and I, really moved hearing about this school in Jamaica, you know, and the kids that you're working with. So it might be there's some listeners here thinking, oh, wow, actually, I want to I want to get involved with that. Like, I want to support that. Or we don't normally do this on podcasts. No, no, but no, it fine. could be that some people are thinking, actually, that, that really matters. We want to kind of yeah. get behind you and support you financially with that. So is that a possibility? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, people can go to the website, which is www.kintsujihope. Should I spell Kintsuji? Yeah, from spell Martin. Yeah, Martin yeah. Martin <laughs> K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I Hope and uh, hopefully you can spell that one um, and yeah it's just kintsujihope.com and there's loads of information up there yeah um, let's so. let these children know that they are yeah, no, not totally. alone yeah, yeah. as they look for the skylark that's, that's a beautiful powerful story wow what an amazing uh, podcast I mean you know yeah. we were mediocre but Patrick <laughs> as always us, so bring, it's okay brings a, brings um, we're not going to do much else apart no. from do shout outs Yes. And I'm going to do it. You said the other day can I was a pa- bit. Can we get Patrick to shout out? Like, what, I think to do the shout really out? Like can he read your names. writing? <laughs> I think he can. <laughs> I I think would he you can. say the I names of these that. people, please? Can you read them? Actually, Paul Window. Paul Window. Stephen Mitchell. Stephen Mitchell Matt, Harris, Matt Harris. Claire Wallace. Claire Cheeseman. Gareth Cheeseman. Phil Tato. Tatlow. 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 That's not double barrel. Phil Tatlow. Very special person. You must feel really loved. So loved. We love you. Saying your name, how amazing is that? Yeah, and uh, remember, you can uh, patronize us uh, on <laughs> yeah, uh, on Patreon. Ourselves. So uh, slash youthscape uh, and you can sponsor us for what is now because I think the exchange rate has slightly changed. <gasps> and according to my last bank statement, it's like seventy four p. Oh, you dropped it in there. I'm not supporting us. You're yet. not supporting I must it. Do it. Maybe you should sign up it. right I now. I will sign up, and I will sign up for the school in Jamaica. So that's really, <laughs> really important. So, gosh, this has turned into like Christian television. I love it. <laughs> Asking for your money. By the way, Patrick, what time's your show on? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we love you, dear people, and just you know, this stuff that maybe we've talked about today that is that's actually stuck a nerve you or it resonates with you or you're like yeah I want to do something about that remember you can contact us you can come and see us here but also reach out to other youth workers in your area as well like let's not do this on our own let's break the silence for our young people and let's break the silence over ourselves as well god bless you The Youthscape podcast is always free, but if you'd like to support us, find us on patreon.com slash youthscape.